You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. I've learned that you don't do it alone. You learn so many different things from so many different coaches. That's an elite learning environment. Failure is not a problem. How you deal with it is a problem. How to be resilient. How important it is to infuse joy in the process of learning. To be a good coach, you've got to give more than you take. What an interesting life it is to be a leader. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership And so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our families, our colleagues and our teams better. For today's podcast, we've caught up with the Australian cricket coach, John Buchanan, to get his view on the first of the two Ashes tests. And just before we go to the interview with John, if you enjoy listening to the podcast and would like to learn more, you can head over to our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. There you will find our insight database where we have snipped out insights from the videos of our interviews on leadership topics like culture, communication and conflict. You can search through by keyword, sport or coach, download and share them. We'll be adding to it regularly as we interview more great coaches from around the world. And now, please enjoy our interview with John Buchanan. You're listening to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. John Buchanan, it's great to see you. How are you going today? Going well, uh, Paul. Good to see you and uh, good to see you uh, well tanned from a a recent uh, journey. So uh, lovely to be talking. Thank you, John. It's all the lights I'm using. John, I couldn't wait to talk to you. There's been so much happening in the cricket and we're about to kick off the third test. And 
I've seen so much happening on the field and even off the field that relates to leadership in general. And I, I wanted to quickly get you and just to ask your opinion on what you're seeing. Uh, well, obviously, uh, from an Australian perspective, it's 2 nil, So that's that's uh, number one. Um, but I think, um, you know, when we look at the test matches, Australia, in a sense, getting across the line in the first test match uh, with a whole range of things, but it came down to an innings of, of Cummins and Lyons together that, the line pretty evenly balanced um, to and fro, which I guess was partly um, expected because we, we weren't sure what uh, the so-called basketball was going to produce against uh, an Australian team that's probably the best attack that they faced in, in uh, the period of time that McCullum and Stokes have been together. And then, and then of course, going into Lords, the home of cricket, uh, the hallowed, the grounds, and, uh, everything that goes with it, the history of the game and so on. And... Um, you know, really for a, a period of time there, it was, again, uh, cut and thrust. Um, oh, I think, you know, trying to tease it apart a little bit, England, again, let themselves down through the course of that test match by some sloppiness, really, some drop catches, some poor uh, decision-making with their batting, and... Only through the efforts of Stokes did they get themselves back into a position where they possibly possibly could win the game. And of course, through the course of that, we have a, a run out of Bearstow, which ignited the the home crowd, ignited the uh, long room at Lords, and ignited not only that Test match, but if it could do it, it ignited the series even more. Why not? potentially ask you about the best I run at, but there's been a stumping, I should say. There's been a lot of that. What I'd like to drill into a little bit, John, is decision-making or or whether you call it risk-taking and the way that these two teams have approached this element of their game, I think is 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 fascinating. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you've noticed in the way or the mindset that both teams have brought to the game in this area. Yes, well, it does. It, it revolves very much around uh, the mindset of the dressing rooms. And we just mentioned there before between McCullum and Stokes, they've been together now for uh, 15, 16, 17 test matches. And certainly before the series started, most players that were part of this baseball concept have said it's been a breath of fresh air in that dressing room. They feel like they can go out and so-called express themselves uh, the way that they would like to, possibly the way that they would do in T20 cricket or one-day cricket, or uh, if they're playing longer, longer game cricket, just with a, a freedom to, to play their shots. So this is from a batting perspective. So to me, as I watch their innings unfold, it really does seem that baseball is about certainly a batting strategy because Again, it's been reported that they say they can win the game from any position. They believe no matter what total they need to chase or what total they need to set, they can do it. And in fact, um, I think our stats will show that England are seemingly, if they have the opportunity, preferring to bat second if they won the toss so that then they, if they have to get a target, they believe they can chase it down. Uh, and of course... Because they're scoring so quickly, um, it does mean the game advances quite a deal. And so 
the theory would suggest and history would suggest that fourth innings batting is difficult because you're batting on the fifth day and generally wickets are wearing and, and it's not so easy. But because England are advancing the game so, so quickly, often in their chase, they're batting at reasonably good times on, on a fourth day. So dressing room saying to their batting group, just go out and express yourself. Go out and play your shots. And, of course, they have been. And, but in doing so, a number of them in both first and second tests, but more obvious, I reckon, in, the, in this last test match, is that they've been going out, getting set, and meaning, you know, for some set can be after scoring 10 runs or facing 20 balls, some that might take a little bit longer. But at least uh, four or five in that first innings had got themselves set and then just played incredibly poor shots and, and were out. So Australia already made 416. So their task was to go well past that. And again, they were in position to do so, but threw their wickets away. Or as, as a traditional cricket follower would say, they threw their wickets away. And so I think what we've got here is one dressing room that's playing uh, this unmitigated risk. McCullum's a risk taker. I think Stokes uh, is a risk taker, but I think he's closer to the Australian dressing room than what he is to the English dressing room, simply because he'll play with calculated risk, as we saw with his 155, and even in his first innings where he made 17, and even in the first test match, he took some time to get into his drive before then he was prepared to take on the bowling. Um, so the dressing room's mindsets are different. I think Australia has a, a more conservative approach, I think, um, they do things, they will take some risk, but it is all about calculation. Whereas from a batting perspective in England's dressing room, I think it's unmitigated risk. Therefore, decision-making is poor at times. And I think, again, without knowing, we're not sitting inside the England dressing room, but I think what will be happening is as players come off the field, the dressing room will be saying, well, well done. You know, good on you for trying. You know, we're rewarding your... your efforts to take on that Australian attack, even though it didn't come off this time. Keep doing what you're doing because it will. Well, I'm not so sure. John, how do the great teams that you've coached, you've coached some some great ones in Queensland and, of course, in Australia, but you've obviously seen a lot of other sports as well. How do the great teams address this concept of risk-taking? What's their mindset around this? Yes, look... Um, in my terms, you know, sport is just built around two competing, we can say, mindsets again, if you like. One is about attack and the other is about defence. And again, going back to the dressing rooms, I think the England dressing room is all about attack. And we even see that with their bowling. We see that with their fielding, their bowling. They've given away a lot of extras uh, with no balls and buys and so on. Um, but also with incredibly different field placements, which is exciting, which is exciting. And I, I suppose, you know, for all the discussion we've got here, the beauty of all this is it's focusing attention on test cricket, which is just fantastic. I think that's great for the game. Uh, but we are now making a critique about the, the various styles uh, and the reasons behind why the, the results are the way they are. Um, if you look around, I think, any sporting team, and again, I'll throw to baseball, it seems to me that they would be saying if they, if if uh, McCullum was a football coach 
he'd be saying to his team, listen, let's just get out there and throw the ball around. Let's be entertaining because you know what? doesn't matter how many tries or how many goals the opposition score. We're always going to score one more and therefore we'll win the game. And, and that's, that's his approach. I believe the reasons why teams are great, the reasons why individuals are great. You know, we've just seen Roger Federer, uh, Federer at Wimbledon being heralded onto the court for his achievements. Now, he's a great player and had wonderful shots and, and therefore attack. But my view on Federer was that he had a fantastic defence. Whenever he was in trouble, he'd rely on his defence, which was generally base, baseline, good rallies, good coverage, angles, change of pace, just trying to keep himself in a point or a set, you know, a game, whatever it was. So then he could unleash his attack when it was appropriate. So in other words, move from defence to attack. And then, of course, you, you need to move the other way. So I think great teams, great individuals who perform over a long period of time against ranges of opposition in, in all sorts of circumstances, their, their foundation is defence. It's not attack. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's fascinating, John, because, you know, from a commercial point of view, well, let's look at the business world for a minute. Your strategy is always based on an insight. And that insight, the stronger that insight, often the better your strategy. And it seems to me just watching the English team that their insight is more about themselves and how they cope with pressure, particularly the media pressure, how they cope with expectations around them. And that is somehow somehow is transferred into a game style that doesn't change based on the competition. And this inflexibility, I wonder, can it be a good idea or is this inflexibility potentially going to be their downfall? Yes. I mean, that's, that's another really interesting word in terms of, um, you know, how teams do approach things, how coaches uh, approach their teams and, and the concept of winning in sport, flexibility. And and you do need to be able to change gears, as I would say. You do need to be able to recognise moments in a game where either it's time to, to back off, go into your shell and defend, uh, or it's time to do the reverse, move from 
your defence into a far more attacking mode because you now sense this is the time. I mean, again, if we go to rugby union and just recently, I know you've uh, released Legacy uh, on the Great Coaches podcast, which is a fantastic uh, episode and um, just a great insight. But but the All Blacks are noted uh, for their defence. They're noted for uh, being so strong across the park and across uh, the game because they, they build everything around defence. Now, they still score a lot of tries and they still kick a lot of goals uh, because they then can move from that position where they are positioned pretty well uh, to, to attack, you know. So I think to have one methodology um, is, is fraught with danger. And again, you mentioned business. I, I just think it's the same thing. If, if we had one methodology, how would business have coped through COVID? How did business cope through, uh, you know, when we had the world collapsing because of the financial situation? How do they cope when, um, you know, new disruptors come into their marketplace? You know, so to, to have one particular methodology, while it might be a strength, your strength can become your weakness just as quickly. So uh, it's important to utilise your strengths, but not always does a set of circumstances allow you to do that. So so what do you do? What's my plan B? How do I now adapt to what's right in front of me? Because I've got to survive. I've got to get through this period. And if I can get through this period, then I'm, uh, I'm in better shape to play the next. This concept of flexibility when it comes to leadership, was also something that the iconic Australian rules football coach, David Parkin, spoke to us about. And I'll, and it supports what you were saying quite strongly there, John, and I'll in, insert David's quote uh, here. So what I learned, and I think the lesson out of this, and I think it's for all coaches, is that you must be flexible in the style which you bring to the individual or the group according to where they are in their experience, competencies and confidence. I think that's the critical issue that I bring out of this. And we've seen this happen now time and time again, not only in Australian football, but across all sports, that they have become flexible in their leadership, i.e. their coaching style. John, there's one final thing I'd like to quickly talk to you about. And it, it sort of builds off this idea of concentration. One of the things I am fascinated about in cricket is just the long periods of concentration required. And we've seen Usman Khawaja just, you know, bat for hours and he bat, batted for four of the first five days in the first test. His, his concentration levels are amazing. But I was also struck by the level of emotional control that I think Australia brought to the last test. And I I hadn't seen them do that before. And I know there was a moment in the long room where there was a very emotional uh, moment between the crowd and uh, Warner and Kawaja, but what have you noticed about it? Well, certainly, and, and look, it, it uh, cast my mind back to uh, Stephen Moore, who was obviously captain um, when I first joined the Australian cricket team, and, and he would always talk about mental toughness. Right? So this kind of relates to, to what you're saying, one about um, you know, being able to deal with distractions and then and then all the emotions that go with that. And the key to to um, 
successful players or and or successful teams, but let's just stick with the individuals, um, is that you, obviously you can't concentrate for six hours in a day. And so the whole idea of switching on and switching off a routine that, that you have in business that elite athletes have on the sports field is, is critical. So from a batting perspective, for instance, it's easy to see there, you know, the, the bowler turns around at the top of his mark and starts running into the batsman. Well, as the bowler approaches the crease, the batsman's world is narrowing, narrowing, narrowing to the point where as the bowler is just about to release the ball, that batsman's world is just a red ball. Red ball, in this case, the Ashes series. If it was a white ball, it's a white ball, it's a pink ball, it's a pink ball. Um, and so right at that moment, that's that's the batsman's world. Key, you know, the, the, the elite players will have picked up the odd other cue uh, through either their experience and knowledge or, or having faced that particular ball again. But anyway, it's still about that ball. They then react to whatever the ball's uh, about to do, play their shot. Hopefully they're still at the crease. And uh, after that, they switch off. You know, they switch off and and look at the crowd or look at the scoreboard or sing a song, whatever they might do. And then you'll notice as the ball begins to travel its way back to the bowler, you'll notice every batsman will have a different way then of actually switching back on, you know, getting back into their crease. You know, Smith, if you keep watching him, uh, he's fidgeting, he's fidgeting, but it's all about him just getting his body and mind ready for that next ball and then they go through the same process. So so concentration for, for a, a leader as much as it is for an elite player is what's my routine to switch into the moment and then what's my routine to switch out of the moment um, so that I'm then fresh and ready to face whatever is coming. You're actually not the first Australian cricket coach we've interviewed that's talked about the importance of concentration when it comes to batting. And in fact, when we spoke to Justin Langer, he echoed your sentiments as well. And he had this to say when it comes to concentration. People often say that sport is all mental. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that performance is a synergy between technique and physicality and talent and the mental side of the game. It's of concentration. We all subscribe to the feeling that elite performance is about concentration particularly if you've got a work ethic you've got some talent and you've developed through hours of practice you've developed a good technique that doesn't mean what sport it is it's the same but concentration is the core is the essence of great performance i have to ask you john i can't let you go without asking you the johnny Bairstow situation so much has been written about it i know that you often have a contrary view to most of us and i'm wondering what do you think is the question we should all be asking and perhaps are not when it comes to this situation? Well, first of all, I don't think it's the spirit of the cricket, the spirit of cricket issue for a start. I, I just think it, you know, Johnny Burstow, when he was playing under eights, wouldn't have done that. Uh, and if he did, and if he was run out, he would have accepted the, the judgment of the umpire. So I still think where that emanates from is out of the team culture in the, the dressing room. Uh, you know, it's, I go back to this word accountability. And I think if you have a culture that, as I said, as we said right at the outset, begins to legitimize poor decision making, 
then this action and behaviour of Bearstow is a bit of a manifest, in my mind, is a bit of a manifestation of that. You know, it's um, pretty well laissez-faire, you know. Leave your crease. You're not even thinking, not even worried about. Well, you're playing international cricket. Uh, you're playing a test match for your country. And you've known since you've been playing cricket that if you step out of your crease at any stage when the ball's alive, then you're open to being dismissed. So I think it stems from the culture in the dressing room, uh, this notion of accountability and, and being responsible for your own actions. And so I think what England's doing very well at the moment uh, is deflecting the accountabilities and the responsibilities that should sit within the dressing room by saying it's a spirit of, spirit of cricket issue. It's poor sportsmanship by Australia. It's Sam Papergate revisited. Whatever they can do to spin that, it takes emphasis away from looking at this, where we started again, poor decision-making that's occurring within, certainly within the English batting line. Risk, culture and accountability. And we're only two tests in. John, thanks <laughs> for making a little bit of time for us. It's always fascinating to hear your view. It's always a little different from the mainstream. And uh, I look forward to getting you back on uh, as the other tests uh, unfold and we can spot some more issues that are relevant to, to broader leadership and I guess life in general as well. Thanks, Paul. I'm sure there's more coming. Hi, everyone. We hope you enjoyed John's thoughts on the ashes and the links between the broader issues in leadership. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. We love the interaction with the people around the world who listen. And so if you have any feedback or comments, please let us know. And if they're positive ones, then let your friends know too. All the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.